bow our heads and pray. Father, we pray that in your grace and mercy, you'd speak into our lives today. Amen. Folks, I'm going to be preaching from uh, the John passage, John chapter 20 from verse 19 onwards on the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. What I want to do in the sermon is I want to encourage you to be all that you are in Christ. To encourage you to be all that you are in Christ. I want us to imagine and picture what that whole event that I've just been just read out, what it must have been like for those disciples. Remember, the disciples had had were followers of Jesus, some of them for, for three years, some of them slightly for a slightly shorter time. And they had they were his they were his support group. They were the people who were closest to him. And and then Judas betrays Jesus and Jesus was arrested and they all ran away. These men who'd said, we'll go with you to death. They ran away. Where did they run to? Where did they go? Some of them would have watched the crucifixion from a distance. And they would have been, they would have thought, sure, we're followers of that guy. that, That could have happened to us. That could, uh, that could be us next on a cross. Did they go out to Bethany? A little place just outside Jerusalem where Jesus used to go. Where, where did they go? Did they have friends that they, they went and said, come on, just look after me for a while. But they hid somewhere because they were terrified. And on the evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were together. The doors was locked. The door was locked. Doors were locked because of fear of the Jews. <coughs> you can just imagine this this group of eleven men together, can't you? Their faces are pale with fear. You can see the fear in their eyes. Hands shaking. When the last one locked the door, did he take the key out the door? (laughs) I think it's amazing that they had the technology to lock a door. (laughs) But they did. And this group of terrified men, 
in amongst them, Jesus appears. And he says to them, Peace be with you. And then he shows them his hands and his side. He's showing them the marks of crucifixion. Yeah? And remember, Jesus is the Lamb of God and he still carries the marks of slaughter on him. We know that from Revelation. So we'll see those marks of slaughter ourselves. And I think it was, it, it says that they, they, when they saw the Lord, I think it took, took some of them a little bit of time to see him. Yes, they, 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 there would have been a bit of time when they just wouldn't have, they, this is just too good to be true, they wouldn't have believed it, surely. But then as he's standing there showing them, they see the Lord. And then there's this delightful expression, they were overjoyed. Now these guys aren't British. (laughs) So how would they have expressed their joy? In, in that one part of the gospel where, where, where the disciples return to Jesus and tell Jesus excitedly how the demons had been subject to them in, in, in his name, Jesus was filled with joy at that moment and praised God. But the, the, the literal meaning of the Greek behind the word he was filled with joy meant that it was that he jumped up and spun round with happiness. So what did these guys do? How, how did they physically express the overjoyness inside them? Did they ah, did they high five? Eh? Did they take a picture and put it on Twitter? What did they do? How did they express their joy? Did they dance? Did they hold on to each other and turn around? Huh? Coming from Africa, I know what would have happened in Africa. They would have some, one of them would have started to sing, and it would have been an amazingly lovely song. And then they would have all joined in that song, and they would have danced to that song. Yeah, overjoyed. It's not just that they're slightly happy. <laughs> this is deep. This is deep. And then it says, and Jesus said, says again, peace be with you. I'm being naughty, but I want to suggest that he's taking control of the crowd. (laughs) He is saying, peace be with you, of course. But maybe these guys were just going so crazy. He thought, okay. Let's get some calm order here. Let's, let's, let's slow these boys down a bit. Yeah? Peace be with you. Then Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So he commissions them. And with that, he breathed on them 
and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. It's dramatic, isn't it? Here is this Jesus, the Savior, the Lord, breathing onto his disciples. This is powerful stuff, isn't it? Because God creates, the breath of God created the world. And here's God creating the new humanity with the Holy Spirit inside his people. Powerful image. But then what he says next is what's particularly stunning. If you forgive people their sins, they are forgiven. And if you don't forgive, they're not forgiven. What's he doing there? He's giving them the authority of God. Remember at one stage, Jesus in his, in his, his ministry, when they let down the paralytic man. And, and Jesus, the first thing that Jesus says to the paralyzed man is, Son, your sins are forgiven. And the, the Pharisees sitting there said, Ah, but only God can forgive sin. And Jesus says, Well, to show you the Son of Man has authority on earth. He said to the paralytic, Get up and walk. Eh? He was, his sins were forgiven. Jesus is giving to his, his, to his people the authority of God. Ay, 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 ay. And that authority did not die out with that generation. But let's press on a little bit in the story. We're then told that Jesus, over a period of 40 days showed himself alive to the disciples with many convincing proofs. He ate with them. He spent time with them. He convinced them that he was alive. Of course he spent 40 days doing it. Because after he would have disappeared that night, they would have said, did that really happen? Did we really see him? Thomas says, well, I'm I'm not going to believe it. So he spends time showing himself alive. But notice that he says to them, he tells them that they have to wait in Jerusalem until they are endued with power from on high. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. He's already given them the commission to, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. But he's saying to them, they've got to wait for the other half for the power to do the mission that I've already given you. You haven't got the power yet. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What is fascinating about that is that the, the Greek word behind there, epi is a very rarely used 
Greek word. It's a compound. And the other place in the New Testament where we read of it is in Luke chapter 1 verse 35. On this occasion, it is the archangel with Mary. And Mary says, how will this be? Because she's been told she's going to be with child. How will this be since, since I am a virgin? The angel asked, the, answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Epiurkamai will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born in you will be called the Son of God. Notice the interesting interplay there. The power comes on Mary. The power of the Holy Spirit overshadows her. And the Holy Child is born. And then the Holy Spirit, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Epiurkamai. It's come on you. The same power that formed Jesus is the power which is in us. And then the New Testament goes on to develop this. So that as, the, as you read in the, further in the New Testament, we, you, you read about us being temples of the Holy Spirit and being the body of Christ. Now the thing about a temple is, is, is people go to temples to worship whatever God it is. But you go to the temple to worship God. Yeah? What's he getting at? Remember he's given them authority. He's given them power. Yeah? So they can be his people. What this means, friends, is that people around you who want to know what God is like should see us as in in community and as individuals because the quality of our lives our faith our joy our hope our peace our story Is a story of God's grace. And if they want to know what God is like, look at us. Serious? <laughs> Serious? You know, oh, come on, Tim, back to Africa. <laughs> no. It's that serious. <coughs> The Christian community and the Christian individual is a light in the world. And people who live in darkness need the light that is in us. There's a whole lot of merry rubbish out there on YouTube. One of them I was watching recently was of a person in America. He was obviously famous, didn't know who he was, but anyway. 
and it was at a university graduating, he was being given a doctorate or something. And he talked about how how to find meaning in a, in a, in a meaningless life. And he just believed that life was meaningless. But somehow you've got to try and do something with it. And I thought, Ish, is that what people out there think? That this life is actually really quite meaningless. We have a story, friends. We have a hope in us. And the story of our lives and the story of the quality of our relationships and the hope and the joy which is in us and the way we treat one another If someone comes to our church, they should start to understand and start to see. Whew, this is what this is what God's like. And this is good. And I want it. I see it and I want it. It's absolutely awful when people come to church and they never come back because of the experience that they had. Huh? It's awful when we live our lives and out of out of sync with what we know is best in stubborn rebellion. But do call ourselves Christians. Become Holy Spirit. Come and, do, come and do a work in us that is so powerful and so wonderful that we wouldn't believe it if we were told of it. <laughs>